In the last episode of Timeline, the disappearance of Cassie Compton. That I figured out some information about Brandon Rhodes. Well, I think he's, a, he's definitely a prime suspect. I do believe 100% that um, he was involved with her disappearance. But at the same time that he goes to get cigarettes, Cassie Compton texts us and says, I'm going to get a smoke. Which She's never seen again. There is still no sign of Stuttgart teenager Cassie Compton. It's like part of me is missing because she is my blood. No one has been ruled out as a suspect. I mean, literally half a block away, poof, vanish, nothing. We love you and we just want you home safe. After five years, the tips have, have really dwindled. She just did so many things that were suspicious. I feel like somebody knows and they just won't tell. In the last episode, you heard a large part of my interview with Tina Storrs of Halo's Investigations. She explained how she got involved with the Cassie Compton case and what her first week of investigating was like. Tina drove all the way to Stuttgart from her home in Olive Branch, Mississippi to meet me for our interview. And while we were in Stuttgart, she wanted to take me to some of the key locations related to Cassie Compton's disappearance. The first place we went was where Cassie was last seen, her home on 15th Street in Stuttgart. Right here is um, Cassie Compton's home that she went missing out of. It's a small, single-story white house that sits about 30 feet back from the road. The front door is in what looks to be a carport. It's a small slab of concrete that's covered by the roof of the structure. And there's one window on the right side of the front of the house. It's either two or three bedroom, I'm not sure. Um, I didn't go any further past the hallway to where the bathroom and Judy's bedroom was. Cassie's um, bedroom is actually right there at that front window. That was the bedroom that she was in. Um, that was her bedroom. Tina brought some people with her. She brought Bob and Paulette Weibel. They run an organization called Search Dog South. They have a dog named Gunner that they've trained to sniff out cadavers, meaning he finds smells associated with human decomposition. And we also came out um, and we brought Paulette and Bob brought Gunner out. And you can tell what he did. He didn't. There was no indication of any cadaver other than the in or around the house, and we also searched her, around her vehicle, and there's no cadaver odor. Okay, that's all. Right, and then as we were um, getting ready to, she was showing me everything, we, she told me that Cassie liked to come out, and she liked to walk to this area. When Tina originally came to Stuttgart after Cassie went missing, she spent a week with Cassie's mom, Judy Compton. Judy told her that Cassie would come out of the house and oftentimes turn right and walk down the road towards the Walmart. Other times, she would go left and head towards the laundromat, the park, or Stuttgart apartments to hang out. While I was here, I um, did a search on the sex offenders in the area, and I found out there was like about 15 total in this whole area here, which I was told that they did go door to door to each sex offender's home and knock on the door and talk to them. Wow. Yes. 
this area is kind of interesting because there is no sidewalks. Like it's not somewhere right. where you think like right. oh, this is a good place to go out yes. at night and walk around. Yes. It was at this point in my interview with Tina that I noticed a woman walk out of the house. KETV Channel 7 News photojournalist Brian Emfinger was flying a drone to get footage of the area surrounding Cassie's house. I saw out of the corner of my eye that he had walked up and was talking to the woman while I was still interviewing Tina. He then came over and said three words that surprised me. That's Cassie's sister. The woman had already walked back inside the house by the time Brian was able to tell me who she was. Tina and Mike Petoniak, who also works for Halo's Investigations, walked up to the front door to talk to Cassie's sister. She answered the door and Tina explained that we're working on a story for the five-year anniversary of Cassie's disappearance. We want to try to just get her back out there and keep her going. Can I get yeah, come on. Okay, honey. That's fine. That's fine. She's going to come out. She's going to get dressed real quick. A couple minutes later, she came out of the house. Her name is Tanya Gregory. And so what's your relation to Cassie? And she's my sister. So you live in this house, which was the house that Cassie lived in when she went missing. How did you end up living yeah. here? Uh, my mom came and got me from Oklahoma. I came to stay with her for a while. And then was, uh, after she had went missing, she's going through a hard time. So I came down here to be with her. What was that like One. when you first moved in with her? What was it like? I mean, it was good. She took good care of me, and I helped her out, and helped her just to go through it. You know. And so is um, is Judy your mom? Yes. Okay, so, uh, but you didn't live with her originally? Uh, no, not before. When I was 18, I did. Can you talk about a little bit about that, if, you, if you're comfortable with that? Just like, so you lived, you had an adoptive family? Mm-hmm. And so you waited till you were 18 to kind of get in contact with your mom? Uh, yeah, I found her by accident. <laughs> How did you find yeah. her? Um, I say it was, uh, through the DHS. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So once you found her, did you build a relationship from there? Mm-hmm. And what was your relationship like? It was good. So talk about Cassie. One of the things in doing this story that I've really wanted to do is give a voice to Cassie. So I really want to know what she what she's like. She was a good person. She was nice, she was kind, and she was funny. And she liked to do a lot of things. She liked to play games, watch movies, and a whole bunch. I know too much, I only got to spend a little bit of time with her. And how long did you know her before she went missing? Um, gosh. See, I knew her for a few years. I, I wasn't down here. I was in Oklahoma. So now you live in this house. How did all of that happen, come to be? I just uh, took it over. My mom moved <laughs> from HUD housing. So, um, was it when your mom got married that you ended up moving in here? Yeah, okay, my mom got married and uh, stayed with her for a little bit. 
And she lived with her husband, so I stayed here, keep the house just in case, you know, my sister ever shows up. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Just talk about like why you want to stay here. I want to stay here. <laughs> well, I'm hoping sometime maybe my sister shows up again. Well, this would be where she'd come, right? Photojournalist Brian Emfinger was with me for this interview. Do you, so you still you still have hope that that someday there's going to be a knock on that door and and there she's going to be. One of these days. I'm hoping it's soon. So this September marks five years since she was last seen. How is that going to feel for you when that time comes around? That's, that's hard. So for all the people that will watch this, um, what do you want them to know about Cassie? Uh, she's a good girl. And sorry. It's okay. And if she needs help, help her. Show her the way home. Do you have any ideas or any anything that where you think she might be? I don't. I said I I went here as in Oklahoma and I had I was pregnant with my son and had that going on and everything and, and she went missing and I couldn't do nothing about it. And that, that's, that's hurt in a sense, you know, if I thought if I'd been down here I could have done something. You know, we've been here. Do you kind of feel the weight of that sometimes? To this question, Tanya became emotional and wiped away a tear as she nodded yes. I had reached out to Judy to try and see if she would talk to me because, you know, she was the one who was around the most with Cassie when she went missing and she hasn't really gotten back to me. Do you know why she doesn't really want to talk about it? No, I don't. That could be because it, it upsets her. It's hard. It's hard to talk about it now. It's been five years almost. It's hard for me to talk about. I appreciate you so much for talking to us. This really means a lot. And my goal is to find information about where she is. How would that make you feel if she turned up? I would be ecstatic. I would be happy. I wanted to see her little nephew and niece. How often do you do you think about her? You know, I know living here, it's, it's... a lot. <laughs> living here is hard, and I do have I think about her a lot. Then I sometimes had dreams and... <laughs> so what happens in your dreams? Uh, just, I find her <laughs> in my dreams, you know, and she comes back. And it's just that I end up finding her. I guess it's because it's something I want. At this point in the interview with Tanya, I wanted to get a feel for what she knew about Brandon Rhodes, who was in a relationship with Cassie's mom at the time that Cassie went missing. In the last episode, Stuttgart Police Chief Mark Duke called him a suspect. He's out there, and I, I, I think he's, uh, you know, like I said before, I think he's a, he's definitely a prime suspect. Nobody's been ruled out. If you remember, Brandon wrote me from jail where he is on charges unrelated to Cassie's case. 
In that letter, he said he was willing to do whatever it takes to bring Cassie's mom closure and put the case to a close. After getting this information, I wouldn't feel honest if I didn't share it with Cassie's family. Even though it's an uncomfortable conversation to have, I felt I needed to address it. Did you know Brandon Rhodes at all? Who? Brandon Rhodes. Mm -hmm. He was uh, in a relationship with Judy back when Cassie went missing. Oh. So do you That's know anything about him? Not really much, no. So he's, um, I've kind of been digging a little bit on him and he's up in prison right now, or he's in jail right now. And um, He wrote me a letter saying he wants to talk about Cassie and he wants to kind of come clean about some stuff. So how does it make you feel when you hear that? I don't like to hear that. I need to come clean about stuff. What's that mean? That's what they're not, I don't know, I haven't met with them yet, but he said he wants to lift a, the burden and help Judy get closure. I don't know what that means, but that don't sound good. Is he, what is he supposed to do? Did he do something? I don't know. He was just here at that time. Like, he was here. He was there the night she went missing. So I wrote him a letter just to see, you know, ask him some questions, and that's what he responded with. So I'm trying to find a time to meet with him. He, he was on okay. jail for, for other charges. Yeah, not related to yeah. this. Okay. Does that give you hope at all, or does that make you scared? or? A little bit of both. One thing about Tanya is that she looks incredibly similar to Cassie. She looks a little more mature than the pictures we have of Cassie, but her facial features are strikingly similar. It's something photojournalist Brian Emfinger, Tina Storrs from Halo's Investigations, and I all noticed right off the bat. Is there anything else you can think of that you want people to know? Yeah, I've had a few people mistake me for my sister. I was gonna say, you look a lot like her. I was working at the deli here um, I went at, before they ch switched it over and uh, the people just, they said they knew me and I was like, I don't know, you've only been here for a couple of years and I brought up my sister and it just, it's just a painful thing. And I just said, I'm not my sister, I'm her older sister. What do people, people say when you tell them you're her older sister? I just say, I look a lot alike her and your mom. So, Anything else you want to add? Yeah, anything yeah. else you want to say? Whatever you want. Um, I just want to see my sister. I wanted, I wanted her to see my babies, her nephew and niece. Have you, have you pictured it in your mind, like her being here, getting to play, and, and have them have someone else? Yeah, I've seen her face, you know, see you see her niece and, niece and nephew. It'd be nice to see her again. Not have to wonder every day where she's at and if she's okay. As we wrapped up the interview, Tanya started to cry over the idea of seeing her sister again. Now, one thing many might not realize about being a reporter is the emotional toll you deal with every day. We talk to people about the most traumatic and difficult situations they've ever been through. Sometimes I just feel that I need to give them some reassurance so that they understand I know what they're doing isn't easy. I can't even tell you how important this is to me that you spoke. I know that it's painful, so thank you. Like I'm so sorry to appear out of the blue, too. I know, I know, but also, how the emotion you're showing right now shows how much you care about her and that really rings a bell with people and that's going to make people understand how important this is.
So don't feel bad ever about feeling sad, okay? Don't feel bad ever about showing your emotions. Seriously. You're awesome. You're a superstar. <laughs> Thank you. After we left our run-in with Tanya, Cassie's sister, there was still one place Tina from Halo's Investigations wanted to take us. We drove away from Cassie's house on 15th Street in Stuttgart and went about 20 miles east towards the town of Casco. We pulled off on a long road called Herring Lane. It has a cornfield on one side and an overgrown field of brush on the other. The brush was so thick you couldn't see through it. It was about 95 degrees out with 70% humidity and the cicadas were buzzing. Along with Tina was Mike Petoniak, the president of the board of directors for Halo's investigations. Mike was going to explain why they brought us to this area, but I wanted to learn a little bit more about his background first. He said he got involved with Halo's back in 2016. What did you do before you worked with Halo's? Uh, drove a truck for 16 years. And I work for, I'm a distribution center manager now, and we do this on weekends at night, just whenever we have spare time and, and are able to. And what made you want to get involved with private investigating and, and investigations in general? To help these kids bring these kids home. Got tired of seeing it on the news, kids missing, and no nothing being done about it. So when we still, you know, are trying to get more and more people involved, we need the younger generation uh, to help that, that are more tech savvy than us old people. <laughs> Um, but so you're, you said you're from Stuttgart, from this area? Yeah. So talk about what it's like for you to work on the Cassie Compton case being from the area. Well, it's somebody from home that's missing that nobody can find. And, but it's, it's really no different from any other child that's, that goes missing. It's just somebody from hometown, you know, that we want to bring home. Does it make it a little bit more real for you knowing that she grew up in the same place you did and then she's missing? Yes, it does. You know, it's a hometown girl. Let's bring her home. But now to the question of why they brought us to this area outside of Stuttgart. So where are we right now? Casco, Arkansas. And why are we here? Because it's an area that uh, we got a ping from the phone that Cassie had and Supposedly there was a party where supposedly she was injured or hurt or killed and they buried her body here. Whether it's true or not, we don't know, but we tried looking and it's grown up so much and it's private property, so you gotta get permission from the owners and then the state police, you know, held us, you know, said to wait. They wanted to get more involved in it and you know, it's just been going on, I think, what, three years and nothing's been done yet. So we just wanted to bring y'all out here and show y'all that this is part of areas that we're, there could be a possibility she's here. She might not be or she might not be. So standing, you know, 100, 200 feet away from where potentially she could be if that tip was real, what does that feel like for you? Eerie. It really is knowing that she's been out there all this time. So when you guys got the tip about all this stuff here with maybe Cassie's body being buried here, where did you get that information? Honestly, I can't tell you where we got it from. Uh, just one of those tips from somebody said something, they heard it from somebody and, you know, we went from there. Just follow whatever lead we could find. Yeah. How, how do you know, like, 
mean, I'm sure, you know, you get so many tips. How do you decide whether it's like a, a something to take seriously and to look into or, or not? Take every tip seriously. You have to, because you never know. Then I remembered Tina had talked about this tip before. It's something she brought up to Stuttgart Police Chief Mark Duke. I got a, a message of a, a lady had texted me and told me that, you know, that she heard that um, Cassie had been run over and they freaked out and they took her body and they buried it behind an old abandoned house. And there was a guy that wanted to come clean because his conscience and he's got a little bit of mental issues but he lives right there by Stuttgart Apartments, and I've asked them to go over there and get him. I was told that they have to be very careful when they go to get him because the mom could attorney up, okay? Fine, let her attorney up, you know, but talk to him. He's not been talked to yet, and all they got to do is get in the car and drive over there and knock on the door. That's crazy. He told the girl he wanted to come clean. He knew where she was buried. And you guys knew what, where that location was, and did you search it? That's the I'm I'm believing when it said old abandoned home, I'm thinking that's where her phone, I think her phone is with her. The place in Casco on Herring Lane has an abandoned house on the property. We can see that on the drone footage photojournalist Brian M. Finger shot. But if there's another person who Tina claims says he was involved in Cassie's disappearance, then what was the letter Brandon Rhodes sent me all about? I asked Tina about this. So you think, yeah, she might be buried out there behind that abandoned house that you guys have tried to search so many times right. with her phone. And that's right. why it's painting there. Mm -hmm. So if that was the case, and maybe Brandon didn't have anything to do with it. Or did this guy help Brandon? Again, Brandon Rhodes has never been convicted or even charged with anything related to Cassie's case. This is, of course, just a tip Halo's investigations got, but it goes into the pile with a whole list of other viable options for what may have happened to Cassie. Now back to my interview with Mike from Halo's Investigations. Do you think this is one of the more viable tips? It's a possibility, but it's just like the one we said earlier where supposedly she was put in a barrel pushed off in a creek. How many creeks do we pass coming out here? They're everywhere. So you just have to try to, you know, look for any lead and, and try to follow up with them and get as much help as you can. Um, another question I had was, you were talking about you've been trying to be able to go out here and search and look for her body, but you have state police and other people telling you, you can't do that, we want to do it first, but you haven't heard anything about them actually doing that. So how does that feel for you? It doesn't feel good at all, because nobody's doing anything about it. What's your ultimate goal with the Cassie Compton case? Bring her home one way or the other. What would it feel like if you guys did get that break in the case? It'd be a mixed feeling. Happy that, that the family finally has closure, but sad knowing that she actually didn't survive. Do you think that's the most likely outcome in this? I can't really say, I don't know. I mean, she could be still hiding. We don't know. That's what's so hard about the missing person's cases is like we don't have a body so we don't know anything really right we can guess but we don't know but right y'all still have that hope that there's a chance she could still be alive oh yeah we're still gonna follow whatever leads we can find 
if you were, you know, able to get in here, you know, and, and, and look in this property at this point, I mean, what, what would be like, what would y'all do? Like, what would be the process? Like what, you know? Probably more toward the winter time when the ticks were down <laughs> and the grass and the weeds were down so that the dogs could get in there and, you know, look and, you know, do a better job of pinpointing where she might be you know, and getting some of these witnesses that have talked about it to come with us and say, this is where it was. But Mike had mentioned something else kind of weird about this place when we first got out of our cars on Herring Lane. It's unrelated to Cassie's case, but I think it's interesting enough to mention. Back in the 70s, early 70s, the Somebody came through that little grocery store right up the road and walked into just mom and pop grocery store and had everybody get on the ground and robbed it and shot and killed everybody. That was back in the early 70s. Which doesn't, like when I was talking to Chief Duke and he was talking about the crime rates in this area, that's not the sort of stuff that happens often here. So no. is it kind of weird for you that, you know, 40 years ago there was that big shooting over there and now there's a possibility that, you know, a girl could have been murdered right up here? Yeah, it is weird, you know, because it doesn't happen. I mean, you know, your typical fights, drunken brawls, you know, mama gets mad at daddy, things like that. But, you know, there's not killings out here. You know, it's just, I mean, everybody knows everybody. And back to Cassie's case, I asked Mike his final thoughts. Everybody keep their ears open. If you hear anything, let the police know about it. And if you want to get involved, we can use all the help we can get. Where can people get more information? Just go to our website, halosinvestigations.org. Cassie Compton would be 20 years old at the time this episode was released. At the time of her disappearance, Cassie had blonde hair, blue eyes, weighed about 100 pounds, and was 5 feet 3 inches tall she had a noticeable scar on her left cheek. If you have any information on what happened to Cassie or where she may be, please contact the Stuttgart Police Department. Next time on Timeline, the disappearance of Cassie Compton. Hello? Hi, is this Judy? Yes. 